Hey y'all, welcome back to a Saturday, March 19th edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee, where the Tennessee Volunteers uh, host the South Carolina Gamecocks over the weekend, one last night. We'll see what happens the rest of the weekend. I should be at Lindsey Nelson on Sunday, so we'll see how that goes. But more importantly, at the moment, Tennessee, Michigan coming up in just... Uh, a little bit today so very excited about that and seeing what the vols can do and make uh advance to the next round um so we'll see all vols all the time here in knoxville tennessee and on the chase thomas podcast but no vols on this particular edition of the pod um hopefully we'll get back in the routine of uh rocky top let's rock or good big orange friday what am i calling it i think it's good big orange friday now um but with scheduling and just this was an extremely weird week uh for a multitude of reasons but uh today sports reporters we have indeed reassembled uh all things nfl uh march madness major league baseball free agents um freeman all that kind of stuff uh with andrew hammond and uh bob silverman so that was always great and then of course Atlanta sports guys yeah we're back no garrett this week um but max markovich is here to talk about the deshaun watson stuff with the falcons losing freeman for the braves and just the sad state of affairs for the atlanta hawks all that and more coming up on this jam-packed edition here on the chase thomas podcast uh don't forget folks if you have not already done so go ahead and hit that subscribe button on apple Podcasts, uh, spotify wherever we get your podcasts and then of course if you are already a subscriber and you like this podcast and you think other people would like it too hey go ahead and leave this show a five-star rating and a review tell other folks why they should listen to the podcast uh what you like about it which particular editions each week are your favorite whether it's John Taylor for Fangrass, whether it's Atlanta Sports Guys, Sports Reporters Assemble like today, um, Evan Swords on Mondays with NFL, all kinds of great choices here. So uh, make sure you go ahead and do that if you have not already done so. You can email this very program, Podcast at gmail.com. Go check out the homepage at chasethomaspodcast.com as well for access to all of my previous episodes. And then, of course, follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, let's roll. Come on. Oh, we're already rolling. That's just like a cold open. We just got the 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 folks who tune in for the sports reporters who indeed assemble. They just got a I love you, Andrew, to start off their Saturday morning. So that's good. Oh, you you missed a little how the sausage was made. I know. I was going to say, it's kind of like how, you know, when they cut into the cold open on SNL and you see mm-hmm. people already like laughing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to like do a scientific, a non-scientific survey of the cold open people laughing right before the cold open begins as to mm-hmm. a good, does it equate to a good SNL episode? Because mm-hmm. um, I got to say, there's sometimes where... I, if I anticipate a guest or something, I'm like, oh man, the cold open's gonna be hilarious, and I see people laughing already, and then the episode falls flat. I went to a dress rehearsal of Saturday Night Live once. I can never get actual tickets, but I did get to go to a dress rehearsal. What's the science behind getting tickets? Because I have a few friends that have been to a few SNL episodes, and I'm just kind of like, how? I, I don't know. I don't know. I got to, I got an invite. <laughs> You're a New Yorker, Bob. You should be the expert on this. Yeah, that's assuming that I would want to go see an episode of Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Line. There's a uh, Bob. There's a line, and you crossed it. I don't know. It's not. It hasn't. Look, everyone's Saturday Night Live. 
every, everyone thinks the Saturday Night Live when they were 13 years old was the peak of the show because it's a show that is intended for 13 year olds. To oh, be fair, oh, man. to be fair, I, I was thinking about like who was on SNL when I was 13, and I'm like, damn, that's accurate. Is it I hate for, to get is it Will Ferrell and like Catan and Sherry O'Terry and, and and all those people? Was that what you were in Kristen Wig and two minutes in and Bob is either already getting on my nerves or I'm agreeing with a point he has that I sometimes, can't stand. Sometimes both. You, yeah, and you've done you've done the daily double. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not going to admit how old I am and say what my favorite Saturday Night Live cast is because it's, uh, it's it's. I but I, okay okay if I guess if I guess <laughs> I won't lie that's against the podcast I'm, laws of course that is of true. course I have so to I'm going to yes. guess your 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 peak SNL cast is peak Eddie Murphy. No, that's that's too old. Oh damn! Okay, so okay, so first, okay, Chase, Crikey. Um, so I was thinking either peak Eddie Murphy or like right around eighty-seven when it was gonna start firing up pretty good again. Yeah, when I was a when I was like too young to be watching Saturday Night Live, I thought the Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, um, Martin Short cast that lasted for one year. Yeah, was the funniest. I didn't know Billy Crystal was on it Saturday Night Live. For one, the show was failing miserably and about to be canceled. And so they said to all these really well-known comedic actors, do this for one year, please, and save the show, pretty much. Okay, so I thought it was more like, hey, this might not be around, so if you want to get your... That that was sort of implied as well, but it really was a, please come save the show. And it was, the the big stars were Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest from Spinal Tap, Harry Shearer also from Spinal Tap, and Martin Short doing Ed Grimley. That, and, Mm -hmm. and, and Billy Crystal doing Hernando's Hideaway. That I thought was like the funniest things that i'd ever heard in my entire life i i, I still need to read i'm going to try and do it this summer the um, the, the, the snl the, book by andrew yeah. miller yeah. because mainly it it just kind of turns into james oh, andrew miller not the relief pitcher <laughs> for, for some reason i kept thinking his name was andrew miller but you know but anyway yeah. um yeah no i love the book because it turned, it's like, oh, we've created this really cool thing. And then like halfway through, it just becomes like a wrestling shoot interview, which is basically just a bunch of old people um, talking crap about each other. Yeah. For like those... the last 300 pages. And it's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Like you get a lot of talented people working on an insane schedule under crushing deadlines, doing live television while in the, under the influence often of all kinds of substances and Sometimes people, oh my god, personalities clash. Personalities clash. People are not in their best behavior. Okay, mm, okay. Yeah. Let's leave Victoria Jackson alone here. <laughs> um, you, you, I think Victoria you know Jackson of... is one of my two favorite. I don't know who that is. Who is Victoria? Victoria Jackson, Jackson was the eighty-seven, like eighty-eight, eighty-nine Saturday yeah. Night Live when it okay. was the, the 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 early Phil Hartman, late John Lovitz, Dennis Miller years. People love Hartman, man. People swear by him. Hartman's great. Hartman is a brilliant comedic actor who can, with 
the range to do all manner of hilarious things. He is so, so good in Jingle All the Way. He puts on a clinic in Jingle just, All the Way. Watch, watch some news radio. Not okay. for the most news famous radio, person on that Simpsons. show now. I was going to say, Rogan. is news radio the one with Rogan? Is that yeah? Was that that one? Was that also a bit? What was his name? Um, Andy, Andy Dick. Was Dick yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was Dave Foley. That was mm-hmm. his first major network show coming off of Kids in the Hall. Uh-huh. It was uh, Joe Rogan, um, who was like the. It was really about Dave Foley and Phil Hartman were the two main, and hmm. of course, um, uh, oh gosh, what why can't I remember his name now? Stephen Root. Yes. Hmm. Brilliant in everything. Do you know what's funny? My um, this is probably in the same zone. Okay, but... all right, wait, wait, wait. So uh-huh. my favorite, my Victoria Jackson, in any case, was a Saturday Night Live cast member for a number of years, and then starting in like the early 2010s, she went full Teacot and became yeah. a, she became like a Breitbart conservative and just a very, very, very unhinged one. Well, oh. and it was it was also it was one of those things where. Because she wasn't the only one from, like, that era who did. It was kind of like the ones who weren't funny. She Mm. was the one who was, like, she on Saturday Night Live, she tended to get typecast as a sort of adorably stupid blonde woman. Like, that was her bit. Or chubby friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the the person who was made fun of. She was the butt of the joke, not the person making the jokes. Mm. And... That sort and uh, let's just say some of those traits were carried over to when she was screaming about Benghazi. Well, it, it, it was a it was a fairly smooth transition from that character to that period in U.S. history. And, the and, other favorite, though, is Michael Moriarty. Oh yes, that is a cautionary tale. Michael Moriarty, <laughs> Michael Moriarty, who, and this is a controversial opinion, I know, was a better DA on Law and Order than. Jack McCoy. Oof. Oof. I prefer the sort of grim, suffering Catholicism of Ben Stone <laughs> to the righteous, drunken Protestantism of Jack McCoy. I watched Not the first couple episodes of the new um, Law and Order with yeah. Anderson. <clears throat> Are they good? They're fine. They're not okay. great. They're they're fine. Uh, <laughs> it, it's fine to have on in the background or something. They're fine. Um, but Jack McCoy, I love that he's getting these checks because he comes in there for each episode where he's got two lines. Like That's they just the, go into. It's the best job Stephen ever. Hill. Stephen All he Hill. does is he puts on a hat and he's walking out yes. the door. Like every episode, he's walk getting ready to leave the office and walk out the door, and he's just like, "Well." You made your bed. And then that's the last time we see Jack McCoy for that, that episode. Was Stephen Hill, by the way, mm-hmm. a brilliant actor. Stephen Hill, who played D.A. Adam Schiff for mm-hmm. many, many years in the first run. He was also like, he was a hardcore method actor, trained with the actor's studio. And I believe, and I don't know if he was old enough to have worked with the group theater, but he was in the actor's studio for a long time. He mm-hmm. nailed those one-sentence zingers <laughs> In, in a part that rarely required him to stand unless he was putting on a hat. That's Oof. the Stephen Hill part. And it mm. is very difficult. And Stephen Hill was extremely good at it. I don't know if uh, if uh, Waterston can pull it off in the same way. You need to be really reserved and just entirely over yourself. He's also sneaky older than I thought he was. Like, he's up there, man. He's in, like, his mid-80s, I want to say. Like the Sam Waters started in the Great Gatsby in like 1977, man, or 81. 74. 74. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah. He turns 82 man, this year. Actually, ooh, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, yeah, 74. Sorry, um, the movie movie nerd kicked yeah. on me. Sorry. Wait, um, how many no, Great Gatsby um, movies have they done? They've done they've done two. Well, they didn't they do one that was like PBS or something. Some there was there's like been PBS versions. Hmm. I'm fairly sure. The, yeah. the one I remember is the bad DiCaprio one. Oh God, Baz and, ba- Baz Luhrmann is going to he is going to pay for his crimes. Oh, I can't wait for the Elvis movie. Said no. So one. bad. So bad. Okay, so I didn't know Colonel Tom. Sorry, Parker. Nanny. Also, my that's her favorite. Be careful, Andrew. It's my grandmother's favorite. Elvis. She loves Elvis. Okay. Okay. So well, that's why we're granny, saying this is going to be an awful movie. Granny, granny, not Granny. That might upset her. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. What is it? What is it? <laughs> it's Chase? Nanny. 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 Mm-hmm. This is this is Andrew here. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just trying to be a friendly neighborhood movie goer for you. Mm-hmm. Don't see it. <laughs> Yeah, don't see the Elvis movie. Yeah, uh, but I'm sorry. I know Colonel. I knew Colonel Tom Parker was. Mm. Um, I knew he was like maybe like Swedish American or German American, something like that. But going full on with the accent, I, I Tom, Tom, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks what's in he just doing? about a pound of latex doing Austin Myers as gold member. Is really I think <laughs> it's the best way to really bad. It looks so bad, it's and as we all know, bad. the best representation of Elvis on film. Bad Elvis. No, no, no. On film, portrayal of Elvis. The best portrayal of Elvis in a movie has already been done by Jack Jack Black. Wait, Jack Black or Jack White? Jack White. Yes, Jack. Yeah, White. I was going to say because yeah, Jack no, wrong, that's wrong and apparently so. What's funny about that is some of that, I guess, like when you read about Elvis, is kind of accurate. It's devastatingly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> like him just doing karate for no reason. <laughs> I was just, it, tell you about that, man. Come on. Oh, gotcha. Walk, walk, also, walk hard. I walk will, I will argue movie. to this day. Walk hard is a better biopic than. Bio, yes. movie, music movie biopic than then some anyone. actual real Absolute, one. I could not agree more. It is absolutely, yes, it is a parody of the rock star biopic and it also does that form better than any of them do. It's, it it, to me, really, it's better than Walk the Line. And, oh, infinitely better than Ray. Like it's, it's, not, it's not better than Ray, but it's it better, better than Walk the Line. But, but it does parody Ray better than mm-hmm. some of the, like, Supposed to be serious scenes in yes. Ray, but they're also kind of sort of funny. Yeah, 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 the Walk Walk Hard is one an amazing movie. Two, the songs are actually kind of great. All of them. That soundtrack is a banger. Yes. Yes. Well, this naturally leads us to uh... <laughs> Deshaun Watson. No, I don't. Let's not I'm... raise my blood pressure too early. I'm just glad that this man is not an Atlanta Falcon. It is. I, it, we were in the the home stretch there, where there I was. was a, there was a report from a. I was down bad. Credible, they credible source, which just it seemed like it was going to be the Falcons until yesterday, when Cleveland decided to just say, just hand their checkbook to Deshaun Watson and say, "You write what you want mm-hmm. on the on the amount part, and we'll do yeah. that." Are we just and, are we just going to dive into it now? Well, I think we, we are. Yeah, yeah this is are. the quarterback carousel like this is the big thing that happened is the cleveland browns 
gave uh, Deshaun Watson an insane contract where he'll only make what one million dollars this year, uh, right? Because of that's how when the NFL finds him and suspends yes. him, he'll only lose all like they get is a cut of the one million. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. All of this <laughs> just is gross. Shameless. All of this is just really gross. I mean, it's hmm. the and so. I'm not really trying to brag on myself, but I guess I had a tweet that kind of went sort of mini viral this week. I really don't know, but it was about the Browns want an adult at quarterback. Yeah, that was Look, Baker Mayfield has some maturity issues, but that's just being a young quarterback. I don't think it's in mainly off a year the field. older than Watson or just a year younger. Yeah, but they want an adult at quarterback and you're doing this i know it's bringing in a guy i love it it's this is it's this is the purest expression of the nfl that i think we've seen in a long time but it is the nfl distilled right down the the unbelievably compromised aesthetics at the same time everyone is is uh protesting themselves through the paragons of virtue it is wholly corrupt and cynical it's and weird i love it's, it it's it, it's weird and it's stupid because it's kind of like the it, it's kind of like a like an old wrestling trope where a guy leaves a territory for like a year year and a half two years and basically just tours around the the world and around the country but doesn't come back to his actual territory and people are wanting, oh, where's he been where's he been and then you kind of kayfabe this and, and make up this whole thing as to you make up a facade as to why he's gone but you struggle to explain it the nfl is basically not trying to create a backstory they were just like yeah he was he was he set out a year it's like why did why did he sit out a year guys he set out a year from parts unknown (laughs) he set out a year but why did he set out a year he just set out a year what's going on why, he why was he not playing he was he was busy he was he was having occupied. a contract dispute and it's just this whole the, the, I, I loved watching watching Schefter and all the scoopmeisters they just they were so thirsty for this story also there was oh, she- Schefter there was, there was just buddy. a non-stock TikTok of the the my, every single minute progression in this saga it was like I said, I feel as though, look, I'm not going to stop watching the NFL on Sundays. I'm not, or Mondays, or uh, Thursdays. Sometimes on Thursdays, and you know, or the occasional Saturday. Occasional <laughs> Saturday. I'm not going to stop. I get that. I get that it's. I get that I'm. I am making bad people very rich, even in my own minuscule way. I I really that's just, just life in general, Bob. We, for we, me, we, we, I we, I thought the I thought the let's say mask off or helmet off moment for the NFL was just really just perfect. I love that the Cleveland Browns have now tethered their entire franchise to to one guy, who, and let me be very clear: I'm not saying that the allegations from 22 different women are true of him. Uh, being, I think, what could be generously described as a sexual predator. Um, I'm not saying that is accurate. I'm just saying that when a person is charged with these kinds of crimes, generally, even after they get caught, they don't stop. 
so, that might be something to figure into the equation. But apparently not. The answer is no. To to me, it's just gross. Like it is gross. The entire process. Like when Baker Mayfield is somewhat of a sympathetic figure (laughs) in this. He's always a sympathetic. Wait, hold on. He's always the doing. He's always the sympathetic figure. He he tries to make himself the sympathetic figure. But that man played with a torn labrum. That man he shouldn't have played. Mm -hmm. Baker is shouldn't have played. Where is Baker ending up? So where's Baker going? Is it the Colts? I think it's the Colts. It's. Here, here's my thing. But here's the problem with the Colts is I would just him? sign Jameis, like just don't give up the draft capital. Then with Jameis, I mean, I'm telling you, I know Jameis comes back. When I saw the Colts clock again, so okay, so so in terms of like throwing the dart, like if this were lawn darts, can we? Was Atlanta was. Was Deshaun Watson seriously considering Atlanta, or is that Atlanta trying to spin it? No, I think no, because he called them. No, no, they called like so. Deshaun's camp, the reports that I've seen, like, and makes sense to me is Deshaun's camp went to Atlanta. And if you know the Atlanta backstory with Deshaun, so he's obviously from Gainesville. He's a local Atlanta kid. He was like a ball boy, I think, or something for the Falcons growing up. Like he worked done, literally built his mom and him a house in high school. I want to say and like he's ingrained in the Atlanta community and he's like he grew up a big time Falcons fan like he wears like Falcons gear in the offseason and stuff yeah so like I 100% believe that it makes more sense to me that he went to the Falcons and was like I want to go to my hometown team and that was something like that was something that when it came down to the Saints and the Falcons I was like oh he's gonna be a Falcon because yeah, this man is actually a Falcons fan like he's not gonna right. pick the Saints think, and well, play I think the also in terms of in terms of the talent on the roster moving forward you could absolutely make an argument that draft capital young players that the you know the, the saints are so hamstrung right now but the saints yeah. are ready to win now and the falcons are not the falcons they have nothing so it's grady jared it's aj terrell it's a little bit of jake matthews and Pitts, and Pitts is still young but and, like and, i don't and that's why i consider new orleans because i'm like right the, the only thing really holding them back at this point is a halfway decent quarterback that's well there was consistent. a bad tweet did you see the the reporter who tweeted out about like it ulti- like we heard that deshaun didn't like the cold we heard that deshaun didn't blank and then he picked the best roster and it's like that's not why he picked the browns no. he picked the browns because he got a one million dollar base he got salary the largest <laughs> guaranteed yeah, contract well. In NFL history, which like it, we don't have to do this. We, that's that's why he chose the Browns, is they were the ones the who money, did the contract. Yeah. Which I'm sorry, that's a that's a perfectly that, reasonable choice on his part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the Browns you said are that, a talented team. Well, look, now you're sounding like a certain sports uh, legal expert and about oh, the, no. the agents no. and what that was involved. No. Don't do it. <laughs> don't say the name. Don't chase, what a don't tweet what a tweet people just put your phones down man put your phone that down. man cannot unplug and it is frightening it it's is just... absolutely frightening how he cannot unplug and it's kind of scary well now the falcons I... like speaking of the falcons like i don't know what happens now because matt ryan if i'm matt <sighs> I, hey you... hey do you have a sensor on this thing chase 
what uh, what's about use, to happen? Use, use euphemisms. You can do it. Okay, well, just, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin middle fingers out the door to everybody. Right. That's... But Matt's not wired like that. Like, Matt is I not that dude. Not, but... I don't... Damn. What, what, is, what is Ryan's contract? How many more years does he have? Well, I mean, he's... I think he has a cap hit of, like, $48 million if we move him, that, like, dead money if he gets moved this year. Um... Well, they I, moved thought there was like seven, I thought there was a seven million dollar bonus like they pushed oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's still like there is a bunch of dead money if you move him this year it's after this year where it's a lot more manageable on the cap but it's like if you move him this year you're saying we can't compete because you can't sign any like there's no money like there, there's no you, there are no guys left to sign at this point so disagree trey, trey lance i am all on the san francisco 49ers because you know who terry Fontenot loved coming in the draft the only quarterback that he loved Trey Lance, and now you got the Niners who are ready to win now. Defense everywhere. Do you know where my that Matt Ryan had his MVP season with Kyle Shanahan as our OC? Went to the Super Bowl. You Niners. What happened you do, after that? Uh, it doesn't matter. And then <clears throat> you do that was uh, wow, 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 Bob. That was I'm just trying to just trying to make ooh. sure readers are informed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matlock, I need you. Listeners, I need you to whatever. stop this man, Ben. I need you to stop this man. And I um. I don't know. I just think that that actually makes a lot of sense. And then folks who are like, "Oh, the fact that the, could, you think they would, you think the Niners would give up Trey Lance in a trade for Matt Ryan?" Well, I think if they really believe that they can win right now and they can win a Super Bowl in the next two years with Matt Ryan and Lance is too much of a wild card with this group, then yes, I think they would. I mean, they've almost gone to two out of three Super Bowls with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's so handsome. He is very handsome. So is Matt Ryan. Handsome guy. But I would do a solid incent. Like, that's what I would do. That's my dream scenario. So that's where I'm on. I I just can't. That seems to me like a weird trade for San Francisco. I mean, they get their picks back. Seattle also makes sense. Seattle also makes sense. If they want to give up their draft capital and they can trade us for for Matt. You're not getting more than the Carson Wentz package for Matt Ryan. Oh no, you're getting more than that. He's no, a much I th- I better, think, I think much can, better quarterback. You can, you can convince somebody on getting more than that. Okay. I okay. Here's my thing, Seattle. No. If you if if you truly want to actually do a rebuild, mm-hmm. then go through with the damn rebuild. Yeah, Don't say here. Get a, a then, then Pete Carroll's got to retire. Like then, what's the point of Pete well, Carroll no, in this situation? Okay, so here's Pete Carroll can go on the road with Jordan Peterson and discuss the benefits of an all meat diet. So here's here, here and th- this is why I say if you're gonna go through with the rebuild, don't trade because you went you basically gone through the last three to four years of this whole are we gonna rebuild? Are we gonna do it? And then when you finally actually stick your feet in the water of a rebuild, and you, then you're just gonna end up trading off a bunch of picks for a guy who probably has three or four good years left in him. If three to four being generous, being generous, then what was the point of the last three or four? Because basically you're just, you're just prolonging your three year reset. Matt Ryan is not at the same point in his career as Matthew Stafford is right now. I don't think Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is a placeholder for the next guy at this point. This and, and that's, you're shaking and that's your why... head, Chase. You're, you're, you're making... I'm looking at you up there. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hi. Shaking your head. Yeah, Chase. I, I... 
Matt Ryan, if you put him in the You're system, making Andrew agree with me twice in the same show. That's <laughs> in less than 30 minutes. That's a violation of podcast law. And this and, and this is on a current sports thing, not an old sports thing. <laughs> yeah. This is a current sports thing. I'm not talking about Tinkers to Evers to Chance here or anything like that. I'm just mm-hmm. I, I guess my, my thing is if, if Seattle is going to if Seattle is going to make that trade, mm. look. Fine, I get it. You want to keep up with the Joneses in the NFC West um, because this, be, because despite everything that's going on, Arizona is still probably a bit better than you. Um, Arizona is just a ticking time bomb. Kyler Murray is probably planning for the A's in a year and a half. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, I what? wouldn't want no part of the Kyler experience. Like, I'm out. Like, the mercurial but, but nature, again, that's not going anywhere. It's a young I'm out. quarterback who did so – Here's my thing on young quarterbacks. Mm. If you're going to have a, if you're going to have a young quarterback or just, you need a veteran signal caller to yeah. be you. You need a Chase Daniel. Like we all make fun. Of, we all crack <laughs> our Chase Daniel. We all crack our Chase Daniel jokes. But if you go to a man and see the quarterbacks that he has helped mentor. Mm-hmm. They will tell you he's a fantastic teammate, and he has this helped is, me see things. This is why my New York Football Jets just resigned Joe Flacco. Yeah, like if you if you well, that was a mistake on y'all's part because you didn't have him until late in the year, where Zach was the they only wanted young guy. To keep, they wanted to keep him. He thought he could beat out yeah. uh, uh, Jalen Hurts in Philly, but you bring wrong, somebody but... else in, like you bring yeah, some. We got in there. we got a game and a half of the Mike White experience, so I kind of feel like it was worth. It. <laughs> Is he still a Jet? Did he like, jet. Yeah. yeah. Or as I like to call him, White Mike. That's true, people. You know who the team for Matt Ryan really was? And Andrew, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. But before they did the Kirk Cousins extension, it was Minnesota. Like, if you give Matt Ryan, Dalvin Cook, and you give him Thielen and Jefferson in that group, like, yeah. that could press. Especially if, with Devontae Adams Minnesota now out of the, the division. AFC, if Minnesota was in the AFC, you could absolutely pull that trade off. Mm-hmm. Um, because I Matt Ryan in a dome for eight games, you get the talent there. Like I think that Minnesota with Matt Ryan wins 13, 14 well, games next year. And and I will say, like I, mean, the, I just did that for Bob. To, when, I just, yeah. when it comes to the Vikings, probably ten or eleven. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When it comes to the Vikings, <laughs> it's one of those things where if Kirk Cousins is good consistently, which you kind of gotta like prey on um <laughs> yeah like you you give yourself a chance and there's just there's nothing about this quarterback class coming in and the free agency quarterbacks for next year that make you think oh this is an easy fix so i res- i'll say this Bryce i respect young. minnesota is gonna be is gonna be the top quarterback off the board next year people are gonna tank for bryce young Bryce is so good. I, you differ, you you're begging and differing. Are you not? Are you not I'm, a Bryce I'm, Young guy? I'm waiting to see how he progresses next. Bryce season. Young's the best fit. I'll be a quarterback well, because, 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 because here's because here's the thing. It's one of those look who he's throwing to. It's kind of like how I made fun of Mac Jones. I was like, oh, it's Ken Dorsey. It's basically I can just throw the ball. 
on a six yard slant. Okay, that's and... not. No, I'm not doing this. We're not taking this Bryce Young slander. This should is we, not should happening. Should we talk about the, the the last few days of the Atlanta Braves offseason? What, what what is this? Is this just dunk on Atlanta? Chase. Today? I'm just like, saying it's a very. Also, it was a very Atlanta centric week in sports news. But people forget also, it's been a great Tennessee week. It's been a great yeah, Tennessee week. Do Tennessee forget that because yeah, yeah. we're playing yeah. Andrews Michigan Wolverines today. You're gonna make the Michigan fans for the uh, Detroit Free Press subscribers. You're gonna wake up on um, Sunday to some angry columns I'm, uh, here's, here, well no no I, I was getting emails about my my march madness column anyway um because well because i picked colorado state to beat michigan which and you picked I, them to beat the tennessee volunteers andrew so here's your opportunity to uh i, I had iowa in my bracket so my bracket oof. is uh well i mean i had so my base like people will take the first first two games of the NCAA tournament, and if they don't have any wins, they're like, oh, my bracket's busted. No, it's not. If you lose out your fi- – if you lose one of your final four teams and your national champion, like, within the first day or I, two – I had Iowa going to the final four, so I'm in I had, well, I had Kentucky winning the national championship, so my bracket's Ooh. been busted. I, uh, I, I, By the way, I love I, – I'm, I'm absolutely very happy. I'm sorry about your bracket. Yeah. I'm happy about <laughs> – John Calipari being made to eat a big old slice of humble. Oh, speaking of though, Kenny Payne leaving the Knicks. Kenny Payne. Look, this is the first time in I think two decades that Knicks assistant coaches have been sought after. So, (laughs) you know, Mike Woodson got the gig in Indiana, and then now Kenny Payne, respected assistant. Evidently, there was a report that there was a lot of crying going on between Kenny Payne. And Leon Rose at the decision. So, look, I, I like. Well, no, they said they were crying like six to seven times a day. Yeah, like, that was the report. Six or seven, like it. Was... That was erroneous. That didn't happen. They did not cry six to seven times a day. Won't believe that. But also, that's not even the most erroneous. Just like out of left field. Like, why do you have to say it in sports this week? That was Russell Wilson who told the biggest lie I've ever. Did y'all see what Russell Wilson said this week? He said yeah. that he watched every Denver Broncos game yeah, already I saw that. and watched it like I think multiple times. Two or three it's, times. Yeah. Two, two, look. What? That's not the no, thing. That's, that's the second best. My favorite sports story is from Buck Showalter out of Mets camp uh-huh. who said that Brian Flaherty made the Orioles in 2012 as a non-roster invitee. Oh, is this the monkey story? Because he brought a monkey with him, <laughs> two monkeys, to training camp, to spring training. And the monkey was pitching batting practice to the other monkey. And that was part of the reason why they kept him on the roster. Mm -hmm. I think that's the plot of the movie Ed starring Matt (laughs) LeBlanc. The fact I've seen Ed, I hate you, Bob. (laughs) Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Oh, God. But, okay, so here's my thing about Buck Showalter that I absolutely love. Like, he always looked like a – like, he's – Seeing as kind of like a pretty chill, pretty straight shooter. But the funny thing about every time I've seen him in a picture um, as the manager of the Mets, he's had this curmudgeon, pissed off, unhappy That's look. That's the way he always looks. He always I know, looks. I know, but it's like it's even like more. In, it's like there's like a Metsified. Well, he looks like he's ready to lose the NL East once again. That's because at- nobody brought a monkey to camp. There have been no gibbons, no baboons. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I cannot wait for the first Dodgers Brave series. It's going to be a bloodbath. And now, is it is it is it is it going to be a bloodbath or is it going to be one of those? 
Y'all really can't get mad that I am. I am you very didn't show up for this. Like the Dodgers, oh, we're we're in a six-team NL-only fantasy league lineup <laughs> mm-hmm. that they've put together. And what's going to be ha- what's going to be make me happy is when they still somehow manage to lose to the Giants. Oh that yeah, the, yeah, happy. it's or it's, the Padres trading for Mister Luke Voigt. Yeah, I, I don't trust the Padres to like, do Tetis anything. Is out, is out for who knows how long. They're yeah, that's I cannot believe long. that this is not a thing anymore. How is not every athlete contract in 2022 not, hey, when we give you $300 million, you're not allowed to ride motorcycles, dirt bikes, anything like that until you're, the contract's over. What? How is this not written in there? Or it's like null and void. Like, we're going to nullify this contract. Like, how is this still a thing? This man asked, which one when asked about yeah, his Rex? That's the that's all I was because I was like, when he when they were kid, yeah, um, had you, you know, which one? And I'm just yeah. like, hold on, are you guys not keeping look? I know that managers and players can't talk during the offseason, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, is he doing both Zoom? Yoannis Cespedes's ankles turned to guacamole because he was chased by a wild boar on his <laughs> farm and he fell into a sinkhole. Look, I'm saying weird things happen. Baseball injuries are still the funniest thing in the world because it could be the most random thing. And all of a sudden, this because I remember, I think it was a Rockies pitcher. He's carrying, he went hunting and he's carrying deer jerky up the deer jerky up the stairs and he has it over his shoulder and he falls back. And accidentally, the knife that he was carrying with him what didn't have the holder in there. Who I who forgot was, who who was the baseball player who like tore his groin by sneezing too hard or coughing. Yeah, too hard. There I'm was like, one that was how, I'm like, there's gotta be some BS behind these injuries <laughs> because I'm sorry, you don't sit there carry a sack full of deer meat, fall back, and then all of a sudden. You have the the knife that you had in your pocket stabs you in the leg, mm. and you don't have a guard on it, and you're supposed to be an avid hunting guy. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. So wh- where where did the side chick stab you at? Wow, wow, oh, am I wrong? Andrew's coming with heat today. Am I Andrew's wrong? Andrew's coming with heat today. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The whole Deshaun Watson thing had me super salty. So every other topic has to uh, ha- get some spice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you Added go. Spice. There's 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 going to be some re- residual receipts coming yeah, there's out. Some, to, uh, there's some mustard on that pass. Thank you. As PJ would like to say. Um, what was your favorite signing thus far? Who in Major League Baseball right now? Your favorite free agent signing. Carlos Correa to the Twins Ooh, because it's kind of like what? Well, it's like, one where he the market like we should have known. We talked about this with John uh, Fangraphs in the middle of the week where it was like once it came out the Cubs were the leader in the clubhouse for Correa. It was like oh his market's nothing. Like there's no market for yeah. him because the Cubs are not trying to spin like that. So if that's his market, that means teams around the league are all like oh we're not doing this. The injury stuff, whatever it is, like his market is moot. So he's gonna make a bunch of money this year with uh, with his uh, AV uh, in Minnesota. And then he's going to go back into the market and hope the Yankees are like, whoopsie, shouldn't have gone into this year with this shortstop situation. Right. And they'll, they'll give him the money. But, well, yeah. It's hilarious because, well, at the same time, it's like, it feels like, because the Twins have, had, have made a few moves. 
if mm. I, if yeah, I recall they, they did a good job of clearing cap space. And, well, they traded for Sunny Gray. They yeah. are they came off from the season from hell because they were predicted to win the AL Central last year. Yeah. Like their drop off was insane. Like well, them winning sixty something games last year was just the season. From my, hell. my favorite signing is is the Rockies signing. Chris that was Bryant my favorite. Because Chris Bryant is what? Like what do you do? Chris Bryant, who I respect for this because he's like. I'm just going to enjoy because he's a Midwest guy. He's close to sure. Bryce Harper. And he yeah. was like, I'm just going to go snowboard, ski, hang out, go hit some local breweries. And literally and never 45 yeah, home yeah. runs in the exactly. thin air of Colorado. He's fine. Yes. Yeah. He cool. does. That man is like, I'm good. I played in big time baseball. He was a cub. He won a World yeah. Series. That man's World like, Series. I've already done. Like, MVP. I'm just chilling. Go yeah. get your MVP. money. No, yeah. but, but, the, but, but go but ahead, Bob. The thing about the Rockies is hilarious. They also just like, they for years they had a bare bones analytics team in the front mm-hmm. office and they sort of went about last year of making some noise about hiring one and mm-hmm. they did they sort of hired a few guys some of whom were considered respected around major league baseball and they all just sort of quit last week mm-hmm. and yeah. so now they have nobody it's really great well like nobody knows what they're doing in that with that team it's there's there's a very good uh david lee roth david lee roth david j roth story <laughs> Not David Lee Roth, the David J. Roth story in Defector of comparing them to the U.S. Senate. It's quite delightful. Well, it's it's funny because, like, you look at teams like the Rockies and the Twins, and I look at, like, a team like the Twins, I look at them like, okay, with the moves you guys are making, are you trying? Are you guys trying to be the American League Padres where you just kind of, like, they, look, go on a spending these, sp- That's the thing. Every team in baseball could be the Padres if they wanted. Well, they and it's just this weird and hilarious, like, oh, we're going to throw a boatload of money and create and, and just buy this two, two to three year window. And if it doesn't work, then, well, <laughs> we burn a lot of money. Well, look, Derek Jeter walked away from the Marlins because it seemed fairly clear to him that they had the money to sign Nick Castellanos. I thought it was just the Yeezy concert that they showed at the uh, Marlins could have Stadium. Been. Who knows? But they Dave had Dombrowski the has the best job in America. That man, I report like I respect Dave Dombrowski so much because like what his goal is, he's like, you hire me, I'm spending all your money, I'm getting rid of all of these farm prospects, and then we're just gonna see what happens. Like prospects are bad. Nobody yeah. needs prospects. prospects. Yeah, that's what he does. I mean, they're gonna get screwed over by the MLB system anyway. Hmm. Look, getting... I, that, my point is, is that like every team could spend on par with what the Padres did the last couple of years yeah. and the Twins did this year. They just don't because it means they turn less of a profit. Yeah. I, I so it's to me, it's just one team decided to act like there. How many how many teams in Major League Baseball right now are actively trying to win as many games as they can? There's a couple Ten. more than there were, but I like I'm more mad at like the Reds could have won the NL Central this year and they yeah, decided they, to they, like they just and they are stripping it down at the bone. The A's are doing right. their annual the, Ra- the A's were going to be bad either way. Like the A's were trending down, but they got I mean, some the Mets stuff. got Bassett for a song, which I'm not complaining yeah. about, mind you, but. I mean, name. Well, them. here's the teams that are not the trying. Teams, Here, the teams are, that are trying yeah. to win. It's a shorter list. Okay, Yankees. I'm going to give you the list. I'm going to give you the list of teams who are not trying, and we'll see. Whoever can do no, the math. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. Do it. Here. I can do it. Baltimore. Correct. Arizona. Correct. Miami. Correct. Colorado. Correct. Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Quick question: Are they trying? It's it's is it? Are they not trying, or is it they are just too broke? No, they no, don't want to make. Trying. They don't want to win. I mean, they literally do not want to win. They, games they could. This year. They could make less money. Right. If they wanted to try to win. 
They just, they're um, choosing to make money and not try. The Pittsburgh. A's, the A's, Pittsburgh. Um, well, Pittsburgh's like the clubhouse leader. Uh, and that's, I think that's it. I think yeah. that's it. Okay. Those are the teams that are actively, yes. Yes. Like we would do not what we would prefer we are here a loss. to lose games. And there is a, like, there is a lo- This is not new in baseball, by the way. Mm-hmm. There is a whole, I forget which book goes it, goes into it. Uh, there's a book I had like as a kid called the ultimate baseball book that spends a whole bunch of chapters on it. Like Okrant was the editor. It was a collection of different stories. Um, mm-hmm. But like the scandal was, I forget the actual particulars, but the, when the, after the A's moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City, they basically served as the Yankees' they, yeah, pro was, farm they, team. Yeah, weren't they basically the Yankees' farm system? They were. And one of the owners was in business with the Yankees' owners. Not He didn't specifically own a – one of the A's owners was earning money with the Yankees' main ownership. Hmm. So – and I don't think it was specifically that he owned part of the Yankees. He was just a business partner of theirs. So it's like, how did the A's get Roger Maris? Well, they let him get a tune-up in Kansas City for a couple of years, and then they, they just sold him to the Yankees for a song, and he was the MVP. Like, for about – throughout the 1950s, the Yankees – saved Diva, like Diva, like they didn't have to give playing time to players who weren't ready. They just let them play in Kansas city and then traded for them when they were ready to contribute. Mm. And it, so like, this is, you know, this is not, none of, none of this is new. If you want to even go back to like Babe Ruth getting sold to the Yankees because the owner wanted to finance a Broadway play called no, no Nanette. Yeah. Um, and, and basically it was like, dude, I've already, like, I've already gotten what I want out of you. And once again, if, if, if the owner isn't team first and not worried about investments, chances are he's going to do some if, stupid If they're going to choose like it, like, I mean, I feel like there are another couple of teams that we're missing on the actively not trying to win. And Let's, some of these teams just Cleveland, aren't good enough. Cleveland's Cleveland. trying. I mean, they would prefer to win the AL Central. They would not like to spend enough not- to – going but but then there are teams that are like (laughs) there are teams that are still building their farm system like i look at kansas city detroit um yeah kansas city detroit look they're not they are engaging in another in a series of long rebuilds in kansas city and detroit but yeah, yeah kansas city detroit um no i'm missing teams i, I, like I could i would people. i would make a case milwaukee I think I yeah. think they're trying they're trying to squeeze out whatever's left of that yeah late 2010s run yeah that they had the, the this past decade so they're trying I get they're trying to squeeze out whatever's left of it um but yeah I, I, and but I think I feel like we've talked about this before with teams either building contending yeah, sure or just because I mean there's to me there are the five to 10% of teams that are doing whatever it takes to win and building up farm systems, roster construction, all that the, crap. The, the, everyone knows in base, like the, the one, the world series winner is going to be someone from the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, the giants, um, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Um, maybe the White Sox. If the if 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 the if the financials and roster, I mean Texas is spending, but 
they're just bad at it. Yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think Detroit is kind of like that. If 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 the financials and roster construction and players panning out, like if it, if, the, if the stars align, Detroit's they, there. Like Detroit is Detroit will make a World Series, you know, once every decade. Yeah. running that play. So, I mean. Yeah, it's going to be one of those teams, and I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. I mean, I think you could maybe make the argument the Astros, Houston, but they're Houston. But Houston's are going to if look if if uh, uh, if Verlander pitches well. Oh, my second favorite signing. My second favorite mm-hmm. signing is uh, is Zach Greinke going back. Yes, to the he's yes. coming home. This my is a Greinke friendly. Podcast, yes. My awkward, my, my awkward uh, pitching son is coming home. He is like, have y'all read his guacamole story? Yes. No. Okay, Bob. This man, so he has this whole diatribe where they asked him about uh, Chipotle. He was a big Chipotle guy, and they raised the price of guac. And he talked about like, I and now I'll never have guac again because at a principle, I won't pay more for a little bit of extra guacamole. So guac is no longer a part of my life. Paraphrasing a little bit, Fair. but it was Fair. a great Zach Greinke answer. That. But yeah, he's is just... you can barely get Zach Greinke to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And that is something that he's passionate about. And you're just like, he's just like us. I but but no, I I love, there's a, I believe it was Jason Jinx who did the story from The Athletic, a uh, close personal friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um he he basically had this like stories about Zach Grinky from yes. literally yeah everybody. he did the right around he talked to everybody oh but gosh. Zach Grinky yeah it's really good and it's that. and the stories in that are just it's it's funny but at the same time you're like you kind of feel bad for Zach because people just you know he's gone through his struggles but at the same time he's never maintained he's never changed his personality. And he's never changed the way he, you know, he's not. No, there's a long and storied tradition of oddball major league pitchers. And you can even put Pedro Martinez in that category. Yeah. And it's it's a delightful thing. Like there's this idea, like as with NHL goalies, the idea being that the pressure and the solitary expectations put on them are so great that occasionally some of them, get, they get a little funny in the head. And they get some weird ideas. And you kind of have to be funny in the head for – to to be to be a goalie or to be a pitcher in a yeah major like look spot. at like you look at look to. at look at Max Scherzer he he behaves like a he literally works himself into a state of wanting to commit crimes on the mound and 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 just at, outright loathing and by you know every interview you see with Max Scherzer solidarity with Max Scherzer, MLB's, you know, one of MLB's union chairs and, and a righteous advocate on behavior for player rights. It, for, for all of that, like, you don't want to, I mean, Ron Darling talks about, <laughs> talks on, on Met broadcasts, we'll, we'll talk about that there were pitchers who you could talk to before they would take a start and there are pictures you would just like, no, stay away from them. They're going through their process. And you don't want to disturb that because mm-hmm. that would be bad for both the team and you personally. I feel like Dave. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Dave Roberts learned that last year, with, with, during the playoffs and like during yeah. the end of the regular season <laughs> with Max. It was kind of like, yeah, I'm like, was it the Dodgers series where he took him out? 
And yeah, like four innings or something like that. Yeah. And, and Max gave gave him this stare. Oh god, as Dave's him. walking out. One of the one of the one of the one of during the one really good Mets year of the last you know fifteen years in, in twenty fifteen when they made it to the loss to the Royals. Like, yes, they should have taken Harvey out in the ninth inning of the game that he blew, but Harvey was pitching a. Dominant, don- like after the eighth inning, Familia was warmed up and ready to go. And Harvey had. Pitched- Are we talking about Game One World Series? Yeah, Game One. Mm. That, was a, that was a fun night. Yeah, and and in the dugout, the the cameras cut away to Matt Harvey having a very serious conversation with Terry Collins, and you really got the impression that if Collins had gone through with his original impulse, which was to lift him from the game, that Max might have. Max, Matt might have, uh, I don't know, tried to remove his spleen with a shrimp fork or something like that. He was, <laughs> it was not happening. And you know, those are the best ones though, because I still think about Max looking at Dave Roberts because you know Max has the uh, has the contact in his eye, and it's like if you if I had a 4K TV, I would have sworn to you. I'm pretty sure that contact was shaking. Yeah. That's how yeah. mad he that was. He was he had he had the Marty Feldman and young Frankenstein bulging eyes at that point. <laughs> he was just like, Don't you don't you do it? And Dave no. is and and, and and the thing about Dave Roberts is that I respect, it's like he has the balls to go up to whatever player and says, Hey, this is why I did this, this is why I made this move and this decision. And he thought he could do that to maybe the, you know, maybe five to ten players in baseball that you cannot this do was, that This to. was the league championship series against the Braves, right? Not the World Series two years ago. No. Was, this might have been the league. It was either. It the, has to have been because the Braves. It was either the, the divisional series. Okay, it was, it was, I want to say it was either the divisional series. Against the Giants because that's when they had to come back and win. On yeah, the because Scherzer was Scherzer had a dead arm by the time he got to the series against the Braves. Yeah, because he, because that, and that's why Dave took him out. And Dave's just sitting there having this conversation with them, and you can see, you can see Dave's like, I might have bit off a bit more than I can chew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he might he might not, be waiting for me in the parking lot with like a yeah, a, a sock like filled with horse manure or something and like that. He, I remember he didn't look Max in the eye. He said, "This is why I, he's explaining to him." And yeah. Max is just sitting there like he has. If he says the wrong thing to me, <laughs> no matter what it is, I may end up strangling this man. Right. And that's the kind of pitcher you want on the mound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for the 25-odd Max Scherzer starts that the Mets are going to get this year. That's going to be fun. <sighs> Max Scherzer and DeGrom. The reason to watch the Mets, look, the Mets are going to – they'll be okay. They might make the playoffs. It's going to be one of those 86-win Met years as opposed to the 76-Met win years. Um, is it is, – is it the, the playoffs expand this year, right? Yes, yeah, 14 yeah. teams. Oh, no, it's oh. it's 12. 12? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. 12, yeah. 12. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if they expanded this year or next year. Something um, yeah. expands next year. Oh, I think it's maybe the next pitch year clock is when next... the owners get the right to just change whatever rule. They, it's the rollerball codicil. They get to change whatever well, there, rules whenever they want. Well, there are two things specifically that do go into effect in 2023. I think one of them's the pitch clock or something. Some kind of pitch. Yeah. Clock. Um but there's something else. It. There's two things. I, I, I am one of the few people who didn't mind the runner on second base extra innings thing. 
I kind like I get why you do it, and I I feel like that could be an arbitrary thing. Like if you if you are if it's a doubleheader, I feel like it's I feel like they should have it be that way for the regular season, and then for the playoffs, it, it takes as long as it takes. I feel yeah. like nobody. I get that. I get the romanticism about baseball not having a clock and it being this leisurely pastoral experience and stuff. But you but, can't do that these days. But like, I'm sorry when you've watched one parade of 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 you know sinker slider left-handers come out of the bullpen after another and still manage to retire the side for 15 innings it's just you leave just Tony LaRusso alone it's fine I liked I even didn't mind the seven inning doubleheader I really didn't I, didn't I think feel it was like that, that I feel like that could have that could have stayed and yeah, yeah if you if you get the and that if you just do it for double headers or makeup games, the thing and that you put the designated that runner, they're banning uh, the they're banning the shift in twenty twenty three is what's getting these uh, you know what which I, I really, agree with I uh, and like I really don't have a problem with it at the same time. Guys learn how to hit to all fields. Um, yeah, I mean they yeah, should do the, that. The, but... the, the, the shift can be kind. It, to me, it feels very just. I feel like there are less extremely cool plays by middle infielders and third basemen made now that there's the shift. Yeah. And I feel like we should it have more. It feels super mechanical. Yeah. It's because there is so there are fewer instances where a fielder has to range far to their left or to their right to snag a perfectly placed grounder or line drive. And so there are less really cool plays. There are less cool double plays also because yeah. of the shift. There's the double play where, you know, a shortstop has to cover, has to run and cover second, even though it's hit to the third baseman or, you know, it's just, it's just a, to me is no bueno. To me, it's not as good. And I I think they should, it's gotten out of hand and yeah. Well, there you go. Um, Bob, what's your pick of the week? You know, it's not, it's not winning time because that, that show (laughs) is bad. It's really I haven't watched bad. it yet. I don't know. I can't do the whole one a week thing with that. I'm just gonna wait I'm for it. All... Chase needs to be Chase needs to be Homer Simpson being <laughs> on the conveyor belt in hell, being fed donut after donut of peas, or else it's not enough for him. Uh, <laughs> what do you not like about it? The the what the editing is just so the editing for one. It feel, it, 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 are you are you not so... a fan of like the whole chaotic kind of like movement? It's not. It doesn't serve the story. They're doing it for its own sake. It is just oh, so Adam McKay just being Adam McKay. Yeah, and also the the title cards, man. The title cards explaining the incredibly obvious point and the breaking of the fourth wall. Stop doing monologues to the camera. It's not a play. So you Adam have... McKay. So so Adam it's... McKay just needs to stop being Adam McKay. He did it. It doesn't serve this story. There are stories where that is useful. Mainly the big short is where that was a useful thing because you had to explain complex terms in the stock market and economics as a whole. So you needed to do that. You cannot just, it's not like glitter and you can throw it on top of every cake you bake just because you want more glitter. So you know what's funny how they did that in Vice? I was like, I I didn't want to see Vice. I feel like they're, you're, you fit the narrative form, the narrative and artistic form that you use to tell a story has to serve the story itself. If you're just doing it because you like that, then that's self-indulgent. It's cinematic masturbation. I, I, I do think that the 
if they did it from just maybe one or two character points, I wouldn't have a problem with it maybe because they would be toned back. But it feels like everybody's doing the fourth wall and it it loses the touch. Uh, look, I love we've already expressed our admiration for John C. Riley, if indirectly on this podcast. And I love John C. Riley. There is nothing for him to do with this part. All he does is sort of unbutton his shirt and wink a lot. There's well, really I'll no... say this. He's doing a better job than Will Ferrell would have done. He is. That's a low bar to set, though. But just, <laughs> so you're saying the bar to... is hell? There's just there's nothing for him to do. There's no actual narrative drive here. It's just incredibly heavy-handed, softcore liberalism glommed onto basketball. And I find it tedious and boring. They made the story of the 1980s Lakers boring. That is mm. difficult to do. Um, as far as things I recommend, uh, hmm, hmm, I recommended a couple of books recently. You did. Um, I don't know. I, I, at the moment, I don't have anything. I'm going to hand okay. it off to Andrew. What do you got? Andrew, there you are uh, up there. Yes. Uh, the, oof, I'd say NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah um i would just honestly i would say pay attention to the fallout because it's just beginning of what's going on with will wade at lsu mm. the ncaa has their show cause like he may get a show cause penalty but i'm we're starting to see the fallout of what's going on with that because um, it'll probably impact Kansas soon with mm-hmm. Bill Self um, and some of his assistants. So I would just say just keep an eye out on that because I think the NCAA, this is pretty much going to be the NCAA's last like big thing because um, I think we're kind of getting rid of the NCAA in terms of them as an enforcing body. I, they don't. They they just don't have the teeth anymore. Like the the moment they said uh, players can get paid, everything that all oh, you know, any weight they hold in terms of legislation and, and wielding power, it's gone. So I would say pay attention to what's going on at LSU and in Kansas with the uh, with the coaches and shoe deals and and shoe companies. So yeah, there you go. Uh, my pick of the week, Bosch. Just got into Bosch on Amazon. Kids love Bosch, man. Dude, I what love Bosch. It's on Amazon it's a Prime. Procedural on Amazon mm. Prime, starring the yes. delightful Titus Williver. He's so good. He's so good. Um, but also, it's a bunch of, it's a, I mean, it's about an LA detective. Uh, it's a noir in LA, and it's uh, it's he great. loves jazz. That's how you he know lo- it's noir. Well, hold on, I love jazz, and okay. jazz is the best music, and that's like not even like a debate anymore. Like jazz is the best. Like there's nothing better than good jazz. Like I could go, I could nerd out about some jazz culture and some jazz. Um, albums i i loved me some jazz my dad got me into it my dad and i used to um ride around listen to jazz that's his favorite thing too i don't know jazz is very soothing for me like i need um uh when i'm doing stuff or i'm needing to clear my head jazz is jazz is my I, li- I like to listen to like steve reich different trains it's it's, okay. it sounds it sounds like the madness in my head but yes okay bosh, bosh i'm all for so bosh good. many people have said bosh is good 
Bosch is Bosch is great. Andrew, check it out. It's uh, uh Jamie Edgar or Hector from uh The Wire is his co-star. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Marlo yeah. Stanfield, Lewis Riddick is in or not Lewis Riddick, Lance Riddick is in it. Yeah. That and... would be weird if Lewis Riddick was in. <laughs> well, he hey, yeah, he's he's going to need a new uh, gig after Troy after after Disney realized um we have a bad bitch property in Monday Night Football. Well, also we I think he's I think he's a he has a good chance of joining the Pittsburgh front office is what oh, I, I saw that. I was like, cause mm. I know he interviewed, but I don't mm. know if like, cause they're still waiting on Colbert to retire. Cause he doesn't retire till after the draft. So I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if Riddick actually ends up he, in the Pittsburgh. But front the office. thing is Lewis Riddick as good of a, as great as he is on TV, he's much more suited for well, he's an done actual that, hasn't NFL he? front office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Various NFL front offices. Yeah. Um, I forget but, where, yeah, he just he needs to and look. He's just not a color commentator. Like that's just not his jam. Brian Greasy just going, you know what? I'm gonna go be the QB coach in San Francisco. <laughs> that told me all I needed to know about um that that iteration of Monday Night Football's broadcast crew mm. is that if Brian Greasy's just kind of like I could do this on TV for the next you know, 15, 20 years, or I could just go coach. Mm -hmm. That's true. Andrew Hammond, go subscribe to the Detroit Free Press if you have not already done so. Bob Silverman, go subscribe to the Daily Beast if you have also not already done so. Follow him on Twitter at Aham Free Press and Bob Sayetta. Um, sports first, that's what we do every week at this time. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, we're back on a very somber edition of the Atlanta Sports Guys with Max Markovich, no Garrett Chapman this week, who uh, is dealing with an other guy situation. Um, I don't. I hope the the guys. What were the names in that in that movie where Dirty Mike and the Boys of taking the the car and having fun with it, you know? Um, and yeah, Garrett's getting his car back apparently. So uh, fingers crossed, the car is okay. Having your car stolen is pretty pretty scary thing. I, I bummer. Really, yeah. That is a <laughs> it is a bummer. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's that's bad. We shouldn't laugh at that, but that is a tough one. Uh, Max, the man of uh, just so much empathy, is is here. Max, how are you? I'm I I don't know. I'm feeling all type of way. Uh, I I feel like I really need to like you know talk about it because talking like thinking through it has a it's been a lot over the last few days. Yeah, and that thing that we're alluding to. So for the folks watching on YouTube, Max is rocking his Matt Ryan Falcons jersey. Uh, shout out to him as the Falcons may be in the last few days, day today, that uh, Matt Ryan is an Atlanta Falcon. Um, shout out to my guy, Jamal Anderson, coming through for Matt Ryan with a really good tweet last night about how this looks like it's all ending for Matt Ryan. Um, I think I can speak for Max and myself and just so many Atlanta Falcons fans that this is wrong and that this is not how this should end um, for Matt Ryan, who is uh, undoubtedly the best Falcons quarterback in franchise history. Um, 
he has done so much for the city, done so much for the team over the years. He's stuck by like some really bad years, a lot of coaching changes, um, all kinds of stuff. And he's just been steadfast in his support for Atlanta and uh, trying to make this stuff work. And even with all the quarterback movement around the last few years, he still hasn't asked out. He still hasn't been like, I want to do, uh, I want, I still want to make this work and get back to the Super Bowl with uh, the Falcons and remedy the 28 to three stuff and all that. But it doesn't look like that is going to be the case. And it doesn't look like it, even if it's not Deshaun Watson, even if it's somebody else that the Falcons, the fact that they pushed his roster bonus back, um, that's bad. Uh, that's a bad omen for, um Ryan's future in Atlanta but I uh like you said at the top you have a lot of emotions we got to sort through this but how are you feeling right now is that a fair characterization of what's going on right now in Atlanta yeah and I think I I like starting with Matt Ryan here because I think that's sort of getting lost in all of it and we'll talk about the Deshaun Watson stuff and it is certainly uh symbolic that you know I've you know feel proud to wear Matt Ryan's jersey you would probably never wear Deshaun Watson's jersey but we'll sort of get to that um, I think it's it's so rare in the league. I mean, Matt Ryan's the longest tenured uh, quarterback in the NFL um, with his current team. Um, and it's so rare in the league at this point now to have a guy who has just done it all the way through with one franchise, gone through the ups, gone through the downs. And I think it's now overlooked because it's been 15 years. He came into a total mess when he was drafted um, by the Falcons. I mean, a total mess coming off of the Bobby Petrino situation, Joey Harrington year, and the Vic stuff. And, you know, that was a really dark time for this franchise. Like, they were a complete mess. And he, for 15 years, has been a complete stabilizing force. I mean, even beyond the fact that this is the most, the best era in franchise history by about a mile, um, he's just been a constant. He has never once blamed anyone else. He's never once said anything remotely controversial. He's been a stalwart for the community. Um, and he's been a really high caliber quarterback for a really long time. And I think, you know, a lot of his legacy long-term is going to be tied up in that Super Bowl, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, he came in his rookie year, made the playoffs. The Falcons had never been to the playoffs consecutive years when he was drafted, never in franchise history. I believe he made the playoffs Four to the first five years, five of the first six. I mean, it was instant too. And, and you know, three head coaches, five offensive coordinators. Um, he has the stats of a Hall of Fame resume. Um, and if he had the Super Bowl, he would probably be a no doubter. And I just think it's a bummer to have it end like this because what he's done for the franchise. I mean, he's he's the most impactful player in franchise history. It's not even a little bit close. And I think. You know, whether he feels wronged right now or not, um, we might never know that because he probably won't. He will probably handle this with complete class. And I think it's just a bummer that, you know, the conversations we should be having about Matt Ryan's tenure as a Falcon are going to get washed away by the conversations we are going to have and need to have about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of separate the art from the artist over the next couple of years, if that's indeed what happens. And a lot of Falcons folks, like they're Falcons writers who have jumped ship and are like, we just can't write about this team if this is the way we're going. And I think they underestimated uh, the blowback. I think um, seeing how a lot of Falcons fans have reacted to this and 
uh, certain personalities talking about why the Falcons should trade for Deshaun Watson. Like, even if you just throw out the just the draft capital that will be needed to get him and this team already having holes everywhere and just what sense it makes to uh, to bring in um, even someone who, if you just look at his talent, yes, you're getting a top five quarterback. Like that is at age, 20, age 26. Right. Like I understand all of that, but that's not how life works. You can't just uh, compartmentalize stuff like that. Like you have to, uh, it, you have to add nuance and you have to talk about everything because he would still be the biggest figure in Atlanta. He would still be the figurehead of the city. And I think um, that's just, it's, it's a tough message and I we haven't been here before like I I mean the Vic stuff was completely different and it was it was it was a lot but we were also a lot younger um, when that was going on so I don't know I just I've really really struggled with it I've I, I won't lie I'll just be completely transparent about this is that like I'm very frustrated and I'm very frustrated with a lot of the fans I'm very frustrated with Arthur Blank. I'm very frustrated with uh, Terry Fontenot. I'm very frustrated with all of it. Like, even if it wasn't Deshaun Watson, if they were chasing uh, Matt Stafford in this same sort of fashion, or even Baker Mayfield, he's on the block. Let's just throw Baker Mayfield in there. And he, and they were still meeting with Baker and discussing terms or something like that while Matt Ryan was still under contract. And then you're uh, pushing his bonus uh, for their down the line so you can trade him easier. Like, this would still be wrong. Even if you exclude Deshaun Watson from the equation, I think this is still at the, at the forefront, just a bad way of doing business. This is just uh, a way of doing business that I did not think blank and this ownership group would engage in. Like, I, I really didn't think that they would, they would do this. And like you said, I think Matt Ryan will probably go about this in a really classy manner, but I could see it being like, do you remember how it went with Peyton? uh in indianapolis like he really doesn't talk about the colts at all like even though he spent the vast majority of his career in indy what they did following his injury and then drafting luck and just all of that like there's still some some animosity and i think there will always be animosity because of the way that ended and he sees himself as a bronco like uh, like that's just how it works for peyton is he identifies with the broncos and i think we could see that if uh speaking of the Colts, if Matt Ryan's traded the Colts and he has a great final season or two or makes the Super Bowl, um, has some kind of Super Bowl run somewhere else. Like, I think it's sad, but I could see him identifying with that other franchise because of how this ended in Atlanta. Uh, because I think no matter what, this is over, right? Like Matt Ryan has played his last snap as an Atlanta Falcon. I think that's um, all but inevitable. And I think that, that that might be a little bit where you and I differ Hmm. on my on frustration like i think if frankly like you know let's take deshaun watson's off the field stuff out of it and let's say josh allen was available right Hmm. um and the falcons were pursuing josh allen right now you're operating on his time frame and you know that's how they're operating with deshaun watson it's his time frame it's his decision and i i don't know if there's a clean way if you're going to jump at this opportunity i don't know if there's a clean way to even break with Matt Ryan here. And and I think I I do, I want to believe given the short track record, the the front office has with how they handle the Ridley non-trade with Philly um, that I think has not really been talked about much and probably won't be um, and how they've handled the Julio situation that they, 
deserve some benefit of the doubt on how they've treated Matt Ryan until we hear otherwise. Um, and, and I think, but like, to me, that's like a conversation for like two months from now, right? Like the conversation now is like, and I think you put this in a really good way um, in the text thread, like they're putting the fans in a really, really tough situation. And it's a really tough predicament. And like, I don't know about you, but like I've had people in the last few days, friends and family, whatnot, like ask me how this would change my fandom for the Falcons. And it's like the fact that that's even a question that I have to consider is an unfair spot for, for ownership and for the front office to put its fans in. Like the Falcons are ingrained in who I am. Like I had season tickets from the age of like six and we, you know, I went through a lot of bad years there and I've watched darn near every game for close to 20 years. I can't just stop being a fan of the Falcons. It's not physically possible for me, but you know, if I have to question whether the starting quarterback, the face of the franchise and probably the biggest athlete in the city, um, you know, is a serial sexual abuser. Like that's a really, really hard thing to root for. Like that's a really, it's hard to like, you said it, you know, also yesterday, you know, you're going to, you know, bring a, you know, your mom, your girlfriend, whatever to the stadium and have them sit next to a guy wearing a Deshaun Watson Jersey. And like, what is that message? And, and I think, you know, I'm really eager to hear from, from Arthur Blank, especially um, about like, What's going on? Like, why, why this? Why now? And what do they feel or know about Deshaun Watson that maybe we don't? And that's not to say I'm going to be convinced that it's the right move, but I needed to hear that there was like some rational, really deep thinking about whether this is the right, you know, course of action for the franchise and, and whether they really considered all the implications because it really, it just comes off as a, as a rash, opportunistic move. And I would really like to hear otherwise. And I don't know if, I don't know if we'll ever hear that, but I hope we do. I think the fracture has already been done. And I think what you're going to see this fall, like I think there's going to be a lot of Falcons fans coming at each other's necks for a while. Like, and I think this is something that they did not understand is there's going to be a contingent of Falcons fans, um, a larger contingent than I think the Falcons even considered are going to be upset. And we already saw the attendance this past year, right? Like we saw what the attendance numbers looked like. If you watch those games this fall, it was bad. There were a lot of empty seats. And part of that is like the, what is it? The PSLs uh, that the just ruined a lot of just NFL game day experience stuff. But like, I think you're going to really struggle filling that stadium. And I think you're going to see fans. Like the worst thing is like, you don't want fans going at other fans. And I think there's going to be, Two, pe- two schools of thought we're already seeing it play out on twitter is that there are the fans who are like uh just you know the type i'm not going to mention a certain um certain place but there's a certain like you're already seeing it <laughs> where they're like how these are forming and the tribalism that's going on here and you can see where it's going to go and i'm like that's not going anywhere if you tr- make this trade if they trade for deshaun watson today that i mean just you lose a, a far more significant portion of the fan base than you might necessarily believe. And I think you, the worst thing you can see is just fans going to games and like, how are you wearing that Jersey? Like, that's something that's going to be happening. Like, cause you're going to see, and there's like, like you said with your family where you have people asking, like, how do you, how do you do this? How do like, what do we do that first week? And Deshaun Watson finds Kyle Pitts for his first regular season touchdown. And you're like celebrating. And I was like, Oh, this is gross. But also, yeah, we're winning. Like, this is something sports. 
is this is where I'm struggling. Like this is why we're we called this a therapy session where I'm like, I don't think there's ever going to be clarity on the Deshaun Watson stuff. Like I think that is something that we now know for certain is it's always going to be ambiguous uh, because we will not the public will not get everything. The public will not completely know everything, and that's unfortunate because that would that would be nice to know all of this stuff. And this had this not been the situation, like if this would not been the 22 cases and. Uh, which he still like the civil stuff is still there. Like the civil stuff is still there. Um, and they're going to just to butt in quickly. They're mm-hmm. going to, those civil suits are going to unravel after you have traded for him. Right. So it's going to be, Hey guys, here's our new quarterback, you know, rah, rah. And then all of the information in those civil suits is going to come out and that's going to reflect on your franchise all of a sudden. And like, you know, maybe they've had the conversations about what's going to come out in those civil suits. I, I sure hope they have. Um, but that's going to be something that then reflects on you. And then he's going to be suspended. But anyway, right. go on. I just, I don't want to have to make this call, man. And I don't know, like uh sports renaissance woman and I were talking about it this week, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm down, man. I am down on the situation and it sucks too, because it's like, he was a Gainesville kid. He's a superstar player that like, if this stuff did not happen and he did not allegedly do these things, like this would be a huge gift. We'd be remember, so pumped. This would be right. a game changer for the whole city. And that's what's so annoying about it. That's what's very frustrating. And I think that's also what increases that polarization in the fan base that you're talking about. Right. Where like he is Atlanta. He is from Gainesville. He was a team ball boy. Uh, you know, he still reps Falcon stuff in the offseason. Like he is Atlanta through and through. And that's like that he is a in in, in every way except one. He is like a dream falcons quarterback that's why um, i can't see him picking the saints between the two is because like his background like i don't think he can do it like i don't think he wants to do that i think he really does like it i really think it might come down to his upbringing and his fandom and just his experience where it's like and his it, and his relationship with the blank family and yeah. like that has to play a role at this at this point in his life especially that has to play a role i think work done built his parent his mom her house right yeah there's a photo on the internet you just google yeah. work done deshaun watson there's a photo of little deshaun watson after work done built his home like like he this it, that's why it's like so maddening man because i would just love to be over the moon excited about this and like i would be and you it's know what's going like, to happen too this fall, which is going to be so gross. Which is like there, and you're seeing this a little bit. Um, I've seen folks like uh, Michael Lee from the Washington Post talk about this. I think where it's like we're treating this already as like a comeback story, and it's like that's going to be the first thing we see. It's like when he, if he excels, if he is a Falcon and he does well, and him and Kyle Pitts have this connection, and we start winning games, and the uh, Mercedes Benz is bumping, and like the, it's packed out, whatever, it's going to be treated as like a underdog redemption story and that you compound that with just everything else and just how gross that's going to be because that's what we're seeing like we're seeing in this culture where we move pat like we just move <laughs> this is something that we see a lot where it's like oh this comeback it's like it's not a comeback story what are you talking about like this is not that's not what this is going to be but you're going to hear it from the announce team you're going to hear it from the nfl you're going to hear it all across the board that like deshaun's great teammate blah 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 blah, blah. and just i i'm not looking forward to that aspect of it either like i've kind of resigned myself to believe that like he's a falcon like this is happening the fact that it's coming down to us and the saints like that's what's happening and then we have this is why we have the atlanta sports guys for us to sort through this every week and i mean i want to get more perspectives on other atlanta fans i want to get more perspectives on people who are thoughtful about this because 
the folks who can literally just compartmentalize and you see that on twitter where it's like oh we're getting a franchise player uh it's just ball like uh, we're gonna win a lot of games you just do this every time it's like man a lot of people are showing their true character and if that's how you think and that's how you like yeah, that would be great. I would love to have that way of thinking. I would love to be that short-sighted and that just, <laughs> for lack of a better word, deft. Like, I just, I can't do that. Like, I cannot do that. So no matter what, I am going to always be frustrated. I guess this is probably what, like, good character Pittsburgh fans have felt for yeah. over a decade, is that, like, I want our team to do well, but also, like, the Ben so like look at how it ended with him and just the celebration and just the way people described him and it's just that like man it's all yeah it's also so different when it, I, I'm under no illusions that that a you're like athletes should be you know moral heroes and and right. we should look up to them I, I don't I don't believe that and b you know there are a lot of not great guys in the NFL and like I'm I'm not sort of like you could probably pick a few on every team that like have well, a there's a difference between like not wanting to hear about their perspective on taxation and then there's another on criminal stuff like there's a difference in like yeah and i think the biggest difference here is this is the quarterback and it's not only the quarterback this is the face of your franchise this is the face of the city this is who you're projecting out to be and there's more that goes into that than like signing or drafting tyree kill for example Mm -hmm. like there's just a, a bigger calculation when you're gonna make a financial investment and like emotional investment for a decade in this guy. And like that, ha- you know, and, and and it just seems hypocritical after they came out of the Vic years and, and blank especially said, we are going to emphasize good guys, like guys who care about the community guys who have done. And, you know, guys like Grady Jarrett have come out of that. And like, also Vic did everything right. Like post totally. everything. And, like, and Vic that's, is, yeah. that's another point I want to hit on is like, you were talking about the redemptive arc and I agree with you. I'm not of the belief that like, you know, you make, you make a mistake and you're beyond repair. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm not putting it. I'm not saying like, this is who Deshaun Watson is going to be when he's 40. Um, and, and I'm willing to sort of like go through that process. I don't really have a choice, I guess, but it's only a thing that can be healed with time. Right. Like, and not or, even healed, but like well, it starts with like understanding, right? Like the problem with all of that is like it it would come from like Deshaun, like us knowing for sure what happened and knowing for like we know what happened with Vic. Like that was like a certainty that we knew. The problem with that redemption arc, what you're talking about for Deshaun, is it will always be ambiguous because we never for sure know what happened. Like we never will a hundred percent have clarity on the twenty two civil cases. Like we we just won't. So it's hard. Like, I, I don't know what to do with that because it's not like he's ever going to come out and just like talk about his re- like road to recovery or anything like that. Like, that's not what's going to happen here. Right. Yeah. And and I'm like, and you saw too how, how the agent reacted after the criminal charges. Um, and how, you know, where do you think Adam Schefter got the idea to tweet that? Uh, I would <laughs> give, give you one guess and it's probably his agent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, it's so hard to talk about this without also talking about on the field and like mm-hmm. I'm willing to have that discussion. But the fact that you just have to like, the, I, I, I just keep coming back. The fact that you're being put in this position as a fan feels unfair. And like, you know, put aside casting aside Ryan, put aside, you know, moving on to a new era, tearing it down, like having to decide how much, this should matter to me is unfair 
and like I resent the Falcons for it right now. Yeah, and that's I guess we'll have to leave it. Is that we don't know what's true and what's not with Sean Watson. We only know what information that is out there. We've read it. We've listened to the podcast, like uh, you mentioned in the text thread, the Mina Kimes podcast this week uh, with Jenny from um, SI, correct? I believe she's. I think she's at the New York Times now. Or New York Times now. Um, But that's something that folks should listen to. Um, But I think it's the ambiguity is what I can't really escape. And I think that will always be there will just be this gray, this gray cloud over the situation forever. And I don't know. Only Deshaun Watson and those women know. And I I just will never know for sure. And that, like you said, puts the Falcons fans in a very rough position um, that just is not fair. Like you said, we should just leave it at that with the Falcons is that this is not a fair situation for the Falcons to put their fans in. Do you want to talk about on the field, like what this means or do you not? let's wait for Garrett for that. Let's wait. Cause I just, I don't even like, I'm not mentally there. We'll talk about on the field. If he's actually a Falcon. How about that? Like we'll talk about on the field when he's actually here and we know what kind of picks are swapped. And like, if we Terrell's in the deal, yeah, I will. I, if they include either AJ or Grady Jarrett, I just, I I think they're going to, that's just, Right, I think the I think the bottom line is like I have never I have never been more eager for a press conference in my life. Like I need to hear from Arthur Blank and Terry Fondo in particular. I understand why to, to some extent, like the GM's job is to build a winning football team. And if he got the okay from the owner, it's not really his his decision to make about like the moral direction of the franchise. That's a little bit letting him off the hook, but, you know, whatever. Really from Arthur Blank. Like, I got to hear from him. Um, and I don't know – I don't know what answers would, like, put me at ease there. Like, I'm not – I don't know if there's, like, a right answer anyway, but, like, I just got to hear it because this all came out – came about so quickly, it seems. Like, it doesn't seem like the Falcons sought him out. It seems like Deshaun sought out the Falcons. And I have to imagine – you know, through an intermediary, basically, probably, Deshaun reached out directly to Arthur Blank. And I just got to know what that, like, you know, day, week, whatever long decision period of is like, okay, are we going to go for this? And, like, what is the calculation behind making that decision? And obviously they dove in at first. Like, and that's part of the problem, too, is, like, let's say they don't get him. It doesn't really change all that much for me. Like, they really wanted him. And so it's it's it changes something in the extent like I don't have to root for him, um, but that doesn't really change how I feel about anything about how the franchise handled it or what it says about the franchise big picture. Yeah, I mean, right now my view on Arthur Blank and Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith is different than it was last week. Like, and that's just part of this. It's like they took that risk. Is this getting out there and this being a thing? Some fans perspectives on them changed and you can't get that back it's almost like a first impression it's not a first impression for everyone it's a first impression for terry font not in a way but um i don't know once that that mindset changes or once you that doubt seeps in man that they have the fans best interest at heart and just i don't know well like i said 
we'll never know for certain. Like there's a lot of ambiguity here. There's a lot of gray. We don't know. All we know is that De Deshaun Watson was not criminally charged. That's all we know right now is that that is they did not file char criminal charges on that front. We know the civil stuff is still there. Um, and we'll see what that means over the next couple of months. But um, I'm down and I think you're down about it. And I just, I don't know. I, I hope things get better. And I guess all we can do is hope for the best that um, become, become Colts fans for a year. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's like the inverse where all those Colts fans who are fans because of uh, Manning just moved to the Broncos. Like my uncles did that and all that, but yeah. Um, but just to, yeah, put a bow on it. Saul, uh, what were like this, we don't have any inside information on any of this. This is not, this is based on a, what we've read and heard and, you know, we don't know for certain. Um, it's all allegations towards Deshaun. We don't know for certain. Can't emphasize that enough that this is not an indictment or anything like that. Or uh, we're just doing the best to understand what where the Falcons are coming from, uh, the situation with Deshaun, um, the civil cases, all that. But yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, in happier news, uh, just kidding. No more happier news. This has just been like a <laughs> horrific Atlanta week. Um, a band all-timer. Total all-timer. So I want to – let's hit on the, the the Hawks really quickly, and we'll wrap up with um, with Freeman. Um, the Hawks lost to the Hornets in one of the more uh, just pathetic endings. Trey had a really bad game. Um, no John Collins, whose finger looks like it's going 19 different ways instead of the right direction. Um, I am – I am just done. Like I am so done with this season. I am so done. 100%. Like I was, I think they're mentally checked out. We talked about like, Le or uh, other people have talked about like um, the Lakers checking out and you saw the stuff with Westbrook and LeBron, like they've checked out. They're ready for the vacation. They don't want to make the plan the way the Hawks are playing of late. And just that loss to Charlotte who they would have to play in the first game of the play in. It's just like, Oh, they have no interest. And this has just been, it, it, we should for me i would define this season as the season of malaise like this has been the most malaise filled atlanta hawk season in a long time it kind of feels like one of those joe johnson years where it's like we're just going through the motions and it's like it's fine but not really and um you feel like the dam the dam could break at any moment but i uh i think there are going to be significant changes i i think nate has to go i think the fact that you have this much you still like people can point to the COVID stuff in December, but the way they played in Charlotte and how they've played down the stretch and just the lack, the malaise is, I, I think malaise falls on coaching. Like I think ultimately that has to be where it starts. It's like, he is not right at the ship in terms of like, we've got to fix this. We've got to get this. Like we went to the Eastern conference finals last year. We've got to bounce back. The season, regular season matters. And it's just, it feels like it's been tuned out a little bit. And I, I don't know. I think a lot has to change because the NBA more than any other sports league, your franchise's fortunes can change like that. And it requires like a CJ McCollum trade just to get Zion back in your city. Like it's, it's amazing how quickly this kind of stuff can change. And Luca's like, I want a whole new front office and coaching staff and everything. Like, great. We're going to have to do that because they hold all the cards. Trey, there is no way this man is happy right now. There is no way he is thrilled about how this season has gone. And I 
they're not winning a playoff series. I don't even think they're making the playoffs. I think they're out in the play in and they have to make significant changes. I don't see how you can't like the clock is ticking on Trey and we just burned an all time great Trey year for, for nothing. Like it was just to stand Pat and then to keep all these guys that we could have gotten some assets for um, too. Cause like, but what was the point of bogey and Gallinari down the stretch here for this team? Like, especially Gallinari, like I, what, what that could have, he could have helped with so many other contenders and, I think Schlink, if he could do it all over again, he should have sold. Like he should have sold at the deadline and he did not. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot there. I don't you can't run it back with this team next year. And mm-hmm. and you can't even like a little bit run it back with this team next year. Um, I don't know what entirely that looks like, and it's highly dependent on who's available. I'll withhold judgment on the on the Nate stuff, um, because I mean you're probably right, but I also don't I'm not really of the belief that coaching moves the needle all that often in the NBA. I think it's, it's highly personnel focused and personnel is not good enough. Like the, you know, there's clear, I think there's going to be a ton of like, you know, anonymous sources say, you know, there was locker room dysfunction starting at blah, 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 blah between. So, and so like, there's going to be a ton of that after the year ends. Um, Cause the, de- the team's not motivated. doesn't want to play defense. And, and, it just never clicked. Like everyone seemed disconnected at every point all year. And any of the excuses we had and I made on this podcast, uh, I'll go out the window. Like they're irrelevant. And like, I'm, I'm too, I'm done. I think it's probably better off if this team just makes the lottery and, and, you know, (laughs) praise they luck into Jabari Smith. Like, I don't know. Um, but I'm done. And I, I agree with you on Trey, like wasting an all time Trey years a bummer. I don't think he's absolved of blame here, but you can't blame your superstar point guard or he'll go elsewhere. So yeah, I think I was really excited for this year and this, it was just so underwhelming beginning to end. Like every part of this year was just so underwhelming and I don't want to watch them in the playoffs. I don't want to watch them get swept by whomever go out in the play in and figure out what the hell's next. Cause any form of running it back is not going to work. I don't know what they're going to do though. I, I have no idea. I am, I would say like Collins is probably gone. Like I would, if I had to guess, like this is probably, probably it there. Um, Capella should be gone. I think Anyaka has to be starting five moving forward. Um, DeAndre Hunter, I think is back because I don't think the trade value is going to be great there. And then I could see bogey being gone. I mean, Herter's back unless he's Herter's part of back. A bigger package, but also Herter should be back unless it's just. Like I agree. I, I'm cool with keeping Herter, but also Kevin Herter is just Kevin Herter, and he's not going to be more than Kevin Herter, and that's fine. Right. Like, I don't think his contract's all that bad. Um, but any illusions that like, okay, last playoffs was like some huge step forward, and he's suddenly going to be like a top three, four guy on a championship team. Like, that's not that's not who he is, and that's fine. He's he is who he is. He's good enough to start on many NBA teams, including the Atlanta Hawks. And that's his career. He's going to play for 10 to 15 years. I think so. I think so. Um, well, let's quickly wrap up on the, <laughs> on the Braves who traded for Matt Olson. So another part of you guys, shout out the part of high school. People forget that it's uh it's pro sport to you. People forget that max. Um, University. But, yeah. Nice. Very, Got the um, upgrade. We, people forget, people forget. People do. Um, but as cool as that is to have Matt Olson, he's a good kid and signing him to that eight year deal. So they, 
that we talked about this in the podcast. Remember how I said like, uh, was this like a month ago where we read the uh, Buster only column and it was yep. like, it, <laughs> you will never convince me otherwise that this was not already agreed upon months Done. ago yep. that this was something. So, and speaking of like where the fan bases are splintered, it's, it's amazing how quickly, like it cannot be a coincidence that Freeman is gone and Colin McHugh, who went to Providence, Lilburn kid, uh, you trade for Matt Olson, another Atlanta kid that like those things like that don't, um, or that, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff does not happen because you're like, okay, there is a PR aspect to this. And McHugh's going to be a good player. I think out of the bullpen for us and Matt Olson should be great in the lineup for years to come. Now Acuna is not back until May. And that's where it looks like maybe late May. We'll see. But that's about a month and a half of no Acuna. With the Mets being as loaded as they are, Philly's still trying. Uh, Marlins should be a little bit better. Um, but I uh, to see Freeman sign for what he did in L.A., thinking about the trade package, uh, Christian Pache and Shea Langliers moving on to Oakland. It's a lot of movement there. It's a high price, but like you don't make that trade without months of thinking about it. And you don't just trade Pache, who was just one a farm god just a year ago. And I I'm still thinking about it. Like I'm still kind of just like, here's the thing. I think the Braves are worse in the short term. I think they're probably a playoff team for the next couple of years or in that mix. But the folks who are like, oh, we did it. Boom. We got we saved it. It's like Matt Olson's a fine player. Freddie Freeman's an MVP type player. Like there is a difference between Freddie Freeman. Like you're thinking more down the line. Like, yes, that eight year contract for Matt Olson is better than a six year contract for Freddie Freeman. That much is true. However, Matt Olson in 2022 will not be better than Freddie Freeman in 2022. In 2023, Matt Olson will not be better than Freddie Freeman. It's the years later that Matt Olson's contract will be better. That's when we find the value is after that. The problem with that is we just won the World Series. We could have gone back next year with Freddie Freeman back in the fold. You increased your playoff likelihood over the next couple of years. What you didn't increase is your likelihood of actually winning more titles. So there's a difference that I think Braves fans are missing a little bit where it's like, yeah, I'm good with Matt Olson. He'll keep it like it's good. It's way worse than a lot of the other fallbacks. Like if we just lost Freddie Freeman for nothing. However, he has never been as good as Freddie Freeman. He will likely never be as good as Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman has not fallen off yet. Like people are thinking about the contract. It's like that's four years down the line that you have to worry about that. Those first four years are fine. Like this is a punt on really contending again this year and actually going with pseudo contention for the next couple. And like if Acuna is great and we keep Albies and all this kind of stuff, then yes, we'll always be in that window. I just think the likelihood of us actually winning multiple World Series significantly diminished with the loss of Freddie Freeman. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I think there's this like this thing in baseball with some fans of ascribing a salary cap mindset to a non-salary cap organization and team. And like there was a pretty clear calculation here by the Braves and it was um it was short-term versus long-term, but it was also like is it worth is the Olsen contract the difference between the Olsen and the Freeman contract worth four prospects, including two of your best? Mm-hmm. And that is a that's when we're talking about short term and long term, like I, I understand prospects are prospects and they might not work out. And there's certainly a world here where Freddie drops off, those prospects don't really hit. 
Uh, Langlers isn't as good as we think he's going to be. Pache is just sort of a utility guy. And like, there's a world in which that works out for you, but it's certainly not a slam dunk long-term either. And I think that that is being missed. Like Freddie, <laughs> first of all, with the DH coming, like Freddie, I think Freddie's going to sustain for much of that contract. Yeah. And if you're an actual big team, like a, a big boy team, you pay that contract and you worry about the last two years of it later. Like, yes. And I know that maybe that's not like the right quote unquote business move, but this isn't a salary. Like there's no salary cap here. You just won the world series. Like you can pay that money if you really want to, like you mm. can totally do it. And I think running it back with bringing it back a Cunha in the fold would have been like the most attractive option to me. I have been a little surprised at how um, the lack of, of, I think there's a, a lot of deference to Anthopolis. I, I rightfully so um, in believing like he's a God and like, you know, he can do no wrong. And I think that that's earned them more. But they've earned also, them more of that there. Upset. He was emotional. Like he did not want to do this. Like this was clearly an ownership thing. Like, I don't think you get that emotional and that upset about trading for Matt Olson and moving on from Freeman, unless this was something that you did not want to do. I don't totally. think he wanted to do that. And if he didn't want to do it, then Braves fans should not be like, wow, if Freddie Freeman was a like the stuff that I saw this week, which was that like, oh, if Freddie Freeman um, wanted to be a brave, he'd be a brave. It's not reality. Like, that's not it's not a thing. Like, it was just the Braves did not want to pay him. And it's it's unfortunate. But I think Matt Olson will be good. I think two things can be true. Matt Olson is a good alternative. I think it was a good pivot because Alex Anthopoulos is a good GM and was like, we're not losing him for nothing. I think that's like the best case scenario was like to get someone else locked in. And they're yeah. going to lead into that Parkview thing and like home co- homecoming, like all of that. And they should but also that didn't work for Frank Core. Like he had the great right. and it fell. And that's something else I was telling people. I'm like, he's going to have a lot of people in his corner who are there and playing in front of his like, it's not a slam dunk that he's great. Like it's a lot of pressure playing in your hometown. And I think that's something that folks have to consider too is that like it's it, <laughs> i remember jeff teague talking about playing in indiana and going back home and how tough that was for him who i think is now like a scout for the hawks i think he just got back back to the front office so jeff teague's like a, he's like a member of the hawks front office now in some capacity um but yeah i don't know i think it uh it's it sucks like i still think it's a loss and i think the fans who have moved on are like oh we do we're great everything's Matt Olson air is here. And I'm like, I think the, the hot, the Braves got you. Liberty media got you this week. And that's the, a mor- shame. the moral of this week is that the emotions in sports matter. Cause that's all, that's all they are. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, the, the emotions matter and you don't, you can't just like, you're not a GM. Like you don't have to ignore the emotions. Right. And I think that applies. I applies broadly. It certainly applies to Freddie. And I think that also applies to what's going on with the Falcons. Max Markovich, you got to run, but we can find you on Twitter at Max underscore Markovich. Um, Garrett, miss you this week. Um, hopefully you'll have him back next week with his car, hopefully, in good in good, good order. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, this was therapeutic. This was good. I was glad we were able to... I feel better. Do you feel better, Max? A little bit. Just can't wait to go scroll Twitter and see how much how much closer this whole thing is. Don't doom scroll. I saw, I saw a report that the Seahawks are going while we were on. Seahawks are going after a veteran quarterback and have called the Falcons about Ryan. So take that for what it's worth. I would take their picks. I sure. Would take, they got, I would take all the picks they use in the Russell Wilson stuff. I would take that. Anyway. Yeah. Bring Drew Locke home. Drew, Drew Locke. <laughs> He's not even from here. I don't know why I'm saying Drew Locke home. Um, Max Markovich, go balls. Going to whoop that Wolverine 
you know what on Saturday that's afternoon? That's correct. Yeah. You are. Don't do this. Don't do this reverse jinx. Oh, you are. We're not, Don't do no, this reverse We have no jinx. chance in that game. None. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited for all the texts from family members. Like, is Juwan? Why is Juwan there? Is he allowed? I thought he got suspended for the season. You're going to see that. Like a bunch of it. There's so many Tennessee Tennessee fans who are going to be surprised to see him on the sidelines. I look um, forward to, to his amicable handshake with Rick Barnes after the game. Oh man, they're you know they don't make them as classy as Rick Barnes anymore. Uh, shout out to Coach Barnes. But anyway, Max Markovich, always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Thanks, man. All right, that'll do it for this edition here on the Chase Simmons Podcast, the Saturday, March 19th edition here on the podcast. Thank you again to the sports reporters, Daily Beast, Robert Silverman, and the Detroit Free Press, Andrew Hammond. And then, of course, fellow Atlanta sports guy, uh, Max Markovich, coming on to talk all things Atlanta. So hope you guys enjoyed this jam-packed episode. Enjoy putting it together with all of my good friends and good folks involved. So, if you like this edition of the podcast and you're not already done, and you have not already done so, rather, please make sure you leave us a five star rating and a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. Don't forget, you can also watch all of these programs on YouTube. So, just go to youtube.com, type in the Chase Thomas Podcast. That's simple. Hit that subscribe button. Never miss a video component here on the program. Uh, newsletter. Yeah, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com type in your email that's simple in your inbox every single day uh yeah this is a daily program and uh this is a it's a fun program labor of love that i very much love doing so uh new episode coming tomorrow because yeah it's daily uh sunday nba shoot around coming up and then of course all things nfl in a couple days and then uh i can go ahead and announce this louisiana tech new head football coach sonny cumby yeah he'll be on monday as well so very excited to talk to coach cumby about uh, his vision for the Bulldogs and what they got going on at LA Tech and all that good stuff. Um, so very excited, uh, jam-packed stuff for the next couple of days, more big guests, all that coming up here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So you can always email me, chasethomaspodcast.gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, uh, chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, you guys have your great, uh, a good rest of your weekend. Falls, hopefully, going to take care of the Michigan Wolverine. Sorry, Max. Um, and then move on to the round of 32 as the Rick Barnes-led balls. Go for it. Let's do this. Let's do this, Fall Nation. Let's do this. Very excited. Go balls. Talk to y'all. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.